Hello everybody and welcome to Infinite Leaders Live. I'm Lewis Keynes and our why is all about being better. We want to support infinite learning for everybody involved in education, regardless of their role, to be willing to listen, learn and share in order to be better educators and also be better humans. Uh, as ever, I'm joined by my mate, Alan Dunstan. Thanks, Lewis. Really looking forward to diving deeper into understanding how leaders with an infinite mindset translate this across to their teams. We want to focus on the things you don't get taught at university or any courses. We want real-life lessons from real-life people with real-life experience. And we're learning too. This isn't our day job and we'll record live, so I'm sure there'll be a few mistakes. We'd love your feedback, so please get in touch via Twitter. And from feedback, I can add this week that you can find us on our YouTube channel, The Infinite uh, Learners. Uh, our show is called Infinite Leaders Live. You can check out our website, www.theinfinitelearners.com. And also, with a bit of luck, we'll be on podcasts soon. So with all that kind of stuff out of the way, Alan, shall we crack on? Yeah, great. Uh, looking forward to today's guest, which is uh, Jolie. And Jolie is currently the Director of Performing Arts and a member of the Senior Leadership Team at Cranley School in Abu Dhabi. She's a, an inspirational drama specialist who has worked in schools in the UK, Malaysia and Bahrain. She has a real passion for drama and the performing arts, and I'm sure this will, will shine through today. So, Joe, welcome. It's, it's great to have you on the show. And I know you've watched the last three and you have some reflections you'd like to share to start. Hi, yes, thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Um, I've been really, really inspired by the work that you guys are doing. I think it's absolutely fantastic and a wonderful opportunity, especially during this time of remote learning and lockdown, to be able to collaborate in this way. Um, Simon Mann was uh, one of my first principals when I arrived in Garden in Malaysia. Uh, he was the person who appointed me to my first. Um, official leadership position as head of drama and he talked in his interview about enjoying employing people who had that potential to grow and to develop their role and when he said that when I heard it I thought yeah absolutely that was you know that was me over 10 years ago now but that was certainly me in that position and I very much felt that my time at Garden that I developed my leadership strategies and my leadership confidence and professional confidence in line with the growth of the school. And so that was a really interesting moment of reflection. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about Scott's um, interview was that he talked about leaders being visible. And it made me reflect about whether sports people who've gone into leadership and performing arts specialists who've gone into leadership whether that concept of being visible is easier for us. We are used to being at the side of the pitch. We are used to being uh, welcoming people into an auditorium and um, establishing those relationships with families, with colleagues, with pupils. And so I just reflected about whether that might be easier for um, people with sporting and performing arts backgrounds going into leadership than it might be for somebody um, in maths or science or um or another or another area and then obviously we saw um bex's um interview the most recent one last week and that was just fascinating for me because she talked about the work-life balance and her acknowledging that her work is her life and it's all part of one and by trying to separate her work and separate 
um, her home life, actually she was on a hiding to nothing and would always feel that she was guilty or that she was failing in some way. And I think that is such a fundamental message going forwards um, because it, it's so true, especially in schools that are all consuming and international schools, boarding schools, they are consuming. They, they really want a lot from you and you give a lot. And therefore it means that when you do give your all, it's so much harder when it is time to step away. And, and when I read your article, Alan, about how it feels to, to leave a school and to move on, I 100% identified with that. When I left Malaysia, when I left um, my school in the, you know, in the UK, those schools where you've put years of your life into them, you've seen some of these pupils all the way through, you've seen their progression, and you've given, really cared and given your all, I think it, it does, it has a huge impact on you. And it does mean that, that stepping away, even if it's to an exciting challenge, um, I think does have a grieving process. And, uh, and I liked that you acknowledge that as well as you embark upon this next chapter. Yeah, thank you, Joy. It is hard and I'm going through that process now as, as Lewis is and, and as you've been through when you left Garden and, and St. Christopher's in Bahrain as well. What, what really inspires you, Joe, to get out of bed every day? Um, well, I was thinking about this and I mean, the, the initial instance is that you need to, you know, so there's some kind of, you know, there's some kind of timeline, there's uh, the alarms going off and you need to be in school or at the moment you need to be online at, you know, at a certain point. But in terms of the more holistic side, for me, it's definitely the community, the community that we're a part of, what you will um, give back to that community, what they will, what they will give to you. And, and I do think, especially in the kind of schools that we're working in, in international schools, there is a pace and a momentum that, that goes with them. And some people can find that overwhelming occasionally, and some people find it energizing. And for me, it's really energizing. And it's that momentum and that sense of what you're giving to the community that definitely gets me out of bed in the morning. Uh, tell us how drama and the arts fit into that, Joe. How does that create the momentum or, or add to it? Yeah, so well, one of the things that I think is quite interesting, one of the things I was excited about sharing with you in terms of performing arts, as opposed to roles um, like tr the traditional leadership roles of doing the timetable or the more uh, pastoral side, I never thought that I would be in position of being a member of senior management or a senior leader. I thought that if I was going to stay with drama, <clears throat> excuse me, stay with drama and not go into organizing the timetable or not going into um, pastoral, uh, pastoral care, then that meant that there would be some kind of threshold to my leadership experience. And for a long time, I was you know, absolutely fine with that. I didn't, you know, I wasn't especially aspiring to, um, to do my current role. What was super exciting was that I completed a master's course um, a few years ago and during that time had the opportunity to try to use drama as a pedagogical tool with various other members of the school and that meant that I was working with colleagues in the pre-prep department, I was working with Arabic colleagues, I was working um, with science, with maths and I really wanted to prove that drama could influence positively the way that all kinds of curriculum can be delivered 
and I am especially lucky at my current school that we offer drama from year three all the way up to um, year 13. It's unusual to have drama specialists teaching, especially in the prep school area. Drama is often only a specialist subject from year seven and above, so age 11 and above. So coming into an environment where drama was going to be ingrained within the curriculum and performing arts was going to be um, established from such a young age all the way up through the school, that has been just the most wonderful challenge to um, to develop and build. I'd never taught uh, primary before I started um, at Cranley. I'd only ever taught from age 11 up. And so this school has offered me huge opportunities to extend my own teaching range, to think about how um, the curriculum and the drama curriculum in particular can support other areas of learning. So for example, if the year threes are doing a Roman project, we will you know, we'll do um, work about the Romans within drama. If the year fives are looking at myths and legends in uh, English, then we will do something like that in drama. So building that curriculum was, um, was a joy. It was really exciting and really, really allowed for the collaboration that is, um, is one of my guiding principles, which I know is something that you guys talk about. And I've thought about what, you know, what are the guiding principles for me? And that area of collaboration is, um, is so exciting. And that's what performing arts has given me, especially at this school. On, on that, that kind of subject of collaboration, I thought, well, you made a really interesting point there that maybe your perception, not now, I imagine, but a few years ago, was that school leadership was maybe a a list of jobs that you didn't necessarily fancy too much, such as, as you alluded to there, creating a timetable. And, and that may, might have been that list of jobs rather than a role that you feel you could nurture. But obviously now the shoe's on the other foot and you're in one of, um, you're in a leadership team and you're in a position of responsibility. What, what is it about your pedagogy and, and your experience with drama that's really helping you at the moment get to grips with that new position? Well, when it comes to drama, we always talk about transferable skills. Um, drama is the kind of subject, especially when you get to GCSE and A-level, that often needs selling. It needs um, promoting to, uh, to other people. We need to make sure that parents are on board. Often they haven't had drama uh, in their own education, so they're not really sure what it's about. They'd be totally fine with their child being part of a school show, but actually seeing it as an academic subject is often um, quite, a bit of a, a, quite a bit of a challenge for them. And so one of the ways that we promote drama is talking about those transferable skills and saying things like any career that you go into will want teamwork, will want you to be able to present yourself, will want you to be able to collaborate with other people, to meet deadlines, to have that confidence. And I would say that in the particular role that I'm in now, all of those skills that I have had and that I've tried to give the opportunities for my pupils i am really having to um tap into those tap into those now for sure yeah thanks joe it, it it's it's very similar to what myself and lewis are, are looking at with transferable skills in p and concept-based learning and it, it, it's it's a very much a step away from normal practice and i love how you talked about there going in and, and working with themes in in the primary school and then affects the way you teach your lessons and it, it's a real massive effort you talked about collaboration as a guiding principles what are your what are your other guiding principles as a as a leader and as a teacher 
Um, in drama, and I've reflected upon this quite a bit, especially knowing that I was coming to talk to you guys, one of the things that's really important is being able to take risks and being able to take creative risks. And so much of what we do to allow pupils to take creative risks is to enable that trust, is to enable that collaboration so that they can push themselves that little bit. And be it uh, on the stage, be it in a performance in front of their peers, be it in a presentation, what, whatever the context is, trying to take those creative risks is especially important. And how we do that is obviously building trust, um, showing that we are focusing on the positive and I think looking for the positive would definitely be something that, um, that would be important. Recognizing that everybody is coming to whatever the task is at, you know, at a different level. There are some uh, pupils who will kind of come in and they're all ready to go. They've had loads of experience and maybe they are super confident at presenting, but they're not so good at collaborating in teamwork and supporting um, more reserved peers. Whereas there are others who have got a lot to give, but they're just going to take that little bit longer to, you know, to develop that confidence. And one of the things that I thought about knowing that I was coming to talk to you is, am I able to take creative risks as a leader myself? This is something that I am asking of the students that I teach that I'd very much hope that I'm inspiring within my colleagues. But as a relatively new senior leader, I thought, yeah, this is, this is one of the things that I talk about a lot in terms of taking risks and hoping that they'll be able to take creative risks and creating the environment where that's possible. But as you become a leader and the stakes become higher and more people are looking at you and if you mess up, there's, you know, there's no hiding it. It's, I think in terms of professional confidence, it's something that I'm, I'm definitely still working on myself. Yeah, I love that, Joe, the creative, the, the risk taking and the creative risk. Tell us about one that's gone wrong and, 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 and what you did and in terms of how you progress from that. Um, well, it's been really interesting during remote learning that we have been trying to create bespoke projects that allow for collaboration, even though we're creating things at a distance. And so obviously what we needed to do was to try to motivate the staff, motivate the pupils. Uh, we arranged some drop down days and this was all skills based learning and we were creating a, a carousel of different activities that we were um, presenting to the pupils and they would carousel around the, you know, so these different groups, trying out these different skills, um, building up to these presentations. So I 100% was enthusiastic. I was behind this project. I thought it was wonderful that we were able to offer something during this time of remote learning. We could have just focused on the timetabled lessons, but we were really taking the opportunity to, you know, to offer something above and beyond what we were doing. And I wanted to, to motivate the staff. I wanted to say to them, look, the planning's in place. Don't you worry. You know, we've got a whole team that are, you know, that are working on this. You just need to, um, to arrive at these sessions ready to, uh, to deliver and to support, to support the pupils. And I had this line and I kept making these, um, these videos, these, uh, these sort of tutorials for staff, just having to talk them through how the structure was going to work and how, um, how we were going to divide up the pupils, all the, log the logistics of that. And it, um, we eventually got started to get some feedback through. 
And one of the lines of feedback was, for God's sake, stop telling us to be so enthusiastic. (laughs) (laughs) The line was, we are professional people. You do not stop telling us to bring our enthusiasm. And I thought, oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and of course, from and there are lots of reasons why I was doing it. I was, you know, what it's very, you know, it's well and good. One thing, you know, trying to motivate people when you're sat in your own room in your bedroom in your living room, trying to make these videos, trying to, you know, g everybody up and, and motivate them. And we work at taking these creative risks, trying to generate this project. But at the same time, it would have been so much easier to have judged my audience if they were sat there in front of me with body language and facial expressions and interaction. And uh, so, yeah, so that was, um, yeah, that was a great example where I felt I'd taken this risk and like energizing this project. And they were basically like, oh, pipe down. <laughs> so that's where we got up to. You've, uh, you've been very honest there, Joe, about, you know, suggesting that creative risks is something that you really want the students to take. But maybe as a leader, that's something that you're still trying to work on. Um, what can people do that, that work with others that really allows them to feel supported taking risks? Um, Bex talked about surrounding yourself with people who are positive. And I have been incredibly, incredibly lucky in my career that I have had a whole plethora of amazing mentors. And I think being proactive in looking for those opportunities, being reflective about yourself as a practitioner, knowing what you're doing well, asking for um, for creative um, criticism, having a critical friend, I think is what I'm saying. Be, you know, being able to have those, you know, sort of those conversations. And when you're asking for constructive criticism, when you're asking for um, a critical friend to be able to observe your work and to give you feedback, you are opening yourself up to to being a little bit vulnerable and taking those creative risks. And, and that's something that I think once you start doing it, it becomes it becomes easier. And once you've done it and there's the and you get the praise and you get the advice, and you need to listen to both because it's so easy to just focus on the negative and not to hear all of it. I think that's, you know, it's a discipline in a sense to be able to hear the positive, reflect upon what didn't go so well, and then, and then to move forwards. And again, this is something that we would do as standard practice within drama lessons. You know, little year threes would be watching each other's work back and giving each other like a star for something good and a wish for something that they'd like to improve as they get further up the school or what went well and even better if. And it's amazing how that seems fine within certain contexts. And then when it gets to the point where you are in a position of leadership that's slightly newer, I think actually opening yourself up to that is, yeah, is a little bit more challenging. Mm. Yeah, that, it's, a, it's a really interesting concept. How we do, we're doing that with, with all the students. We're trying to build in reflection. And, and it's amazing how how reflection then can suddenly stop unless you actually actively seek it. Um, I asked this to Rebecca and it was interesting how, how she came out with this, is you, you're very enthusiastic, you're so positive. How do you then deal with people who are not as enthusiastic as you, or not as positive, you've got to lead them people? 
yeah when you asked this to Bex I, I sort of lent in wanting to <laughs> wanting to hear her hear her answer and I really agree with what she said it's it's hugely difficult I think um I'm very lucky within drama that there are so many people that have seen the value of the work that we do the work that we do within performing arts and are there to help and are very much there to support the kids so when we are asking for people to help out with a show we have plenty of um of volunteers when we're asking for you know for that kind of support and in things like drama in productions they do take on a life of their own and and i think that you've got to be clear about what you're asking and one of the things that i've reflected upon is that i know exactly what i'm asking as a teacher i'm very clear what i'm asking as um as a head of department having you know been head of department in you know in three schools now that I'm in that whole school level, I'm slightly less certain of, of what I'm asking um, of the team. And, and I think going back to having those, you know, those negative conversations, I think it's not avoiding them. If, if there's somebody who really needs to, you know, to say what they need to say, then, you know, so if you hear it, you acknowledge it and, and then try to, to build on it, you know, try to move on. And, to realize that everybody's trying to bring something, they might not always be able to match your level of positivity and enthusiasm, which as, um, as the video that I sent out to staff and got the feedback from, you know, made me reflect upon, is that they can, you know, people bring different things to the table. And, you know, and, that, you know, and that's fine. And I think if you can focus on those positives and be able to be grateful for them and to nurture them and to appreciate them, then what my hope is, is that that's how, that's how you take people along the journey with you. It's certainly the way that it's worked for us within performing arts, especially as the momentum has grown, as the school has grown. That's, you know, so that has just been wonderful. The support that we felt has been just tremendous from uh, the whole community, from the parents, from the pupils, from the wider uh, community here in Abu Dhabi. We've had some amazing support connections that we're making with different schools and different festivals that's all been wonderful i think what you're talking about alan is when you're having to propose something that people really don't want to do mm -hmm. and and that bit i'm i'm still struggling with you know who, who doesn't who doesn't want to you know if you're saying come on we're putting on this show and you know what look at all this and you can really sell it like i could oh i could sell any production Selling, like, would you like to rewrite this policy? Selling, would you, you know, <laughs> going to restructure this? Oh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a different challenge and one that I'm definitely still working on. And it's, uh, it's not often people are called for less enthusiasm. So I, I think you're in a small minority there, Joe. You, um, <laughs> you mentioned um, reflection and you've talked about positivity a lot. Um, I, I'm, I'm presuming that they're, they're things that you use to just check in with yourself and to see where you're at. What, what else would be on that list of things that you feel is really important? Tell me again, Lewis, in terms of, in terms of leadership, like a checklist of things. Yeah. So in terms of a toolkit really that you use to try and keep yourself in check, just to, to self critique and to self reflect. You, you talked about reflection in depth and, and that importance of being positive and keeping a positive spin on things, being kind to yourself really and looking at what you've done well and not just focusing on the negatives. 
would there be anything else that would be on that list for you as a department head or as a senior leader where you feel that there's there's things that you do at punctuated points through the day through the week through the year just to check where you're at and and to see if you're on top of the things you want to be on top of yeah i really like that concept of checking instead of having little milestones um one of the reasons that i knew that i wasn't going to be a pastoral lead was because as a pastoral lead you never really know what your day is going to be like you can you can have a plan for your day but then all of a sudden something can happen and your day is sideswiped. Whereas within performing arts and a little bit within sports, I'm guessing with kind of fixtures and timetables and EOS to run all the planning, we know when our peaks and troughs of the year are going to be. We know that, for example, the end of the end of term in November, there will be EOS of two shows, one concert, one winter festival, what EOS of it will be, you know, really, really intense during that time so one of the things that i've learned to do is to forward plan to try to make sure that i've got you know as much done as possible in the run-up to those months down to the really little things like making sure that you've got in you know sort of enough toothpaste or whatever it is in you know sort of enough in um you know i'm very lucky now that i've got a husband that you know helps out with that but you know back in the day before i met uh before i met tom the it was you know something that i really had to look out for because it wasn't going to be the the big stuff it was going to be waking up in the morning and finding you've got no toothbrush toothpaste or your shampoo would run out it was going to be that that would be you know the straw that broke the camel's back so in those kind of terms making sure really looking for those kind of those peaks and troughs um and and making sure that you that you know and it's something that I've tried to really support my team with by saying look we know this is going to be a, a dig deep time what can we do before what can, what can we do um, what can we do afterwards uh, what's interesting now that I'm now part of obviously very much still with performing arts but also more of a whole school role is that what you'll find is that where you think you've kind of like you you've peaked and then you know, it should settle down something else straight away um comes back in and so in terms of my own personal care that's something that i've that i'm definitely still working on lewis i don't have the, all the answers to that trying to keep that balance both scott and simon talked about exercise and how simon said something like it doesn't matter how tired i am i'm always going to exercise and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'd have to say that for me, making sure to maintain that exercise, to maintain that self-care is something that I have to consciously do. Otherwise, it would be very easy for it to be, you know, so far too late at night and um, I mean, not having, you know, done what I needed to do for myself. So, so those three things are very much anchors then, if I've got it right, that the forward planning and the being able to, to plan ahead, get organised and respond where possible rather than react by the sounds of it reflecting uh, and surrounding yourself with that positivity and being kind to yourself I think I think they're two three really really good takeaways and and the other takeaway would be for me don't approach a drama teacher in the last week before Christmas holidays <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just as valuable as those three <laughs> fantastic the um I'd just like to bring it back a, a step or two here. So we, we've all worked under some fantastic leaders and we, we've talked about Simon Mann being quite influential in all our careers. What, what's the best bit of leadership advice you've ever been given, Joe? Um, 
there was a book that I read whilst I was doing my master's that I, that I would really recommend. It's called um, What's Worth Fighting For in Your School. And it talks about being interactive rather than hyperactive. And going back to, you know, to what we were saying before about you know, levels of enthusiasm, it's, and it really supports that idea of reflection. It really supports that idea of continued professional development, which is what you guys are doing, which what attracted me so much to the work that you're doing at the minute, but allowing for that sense of collaboration, allowing for that reflection and offering those opportunities that are not one size fits all. We've all been to CPD sessions where the whole of the staff are brought in and are told about one concept and then one person has been flown in and they might cost a fortune to fly them in and they give you a day or two days maybe and then you know and then they're off and you know and you're left with this information but for the individuals within that school within the community it's going to filter through in different ways and if you want whatever it was that was presented to actually make lasting change it has to be because it's something meaningful for your department or for your area of the school and I think that's really important and trying to filter that so that you're not hyperactive maybe it's a case of picking your battles of knowing what what are our priorities a lot of the people you've had on have talked about have talked about vision and and I did work with Simon when you know when he was first at Garden and we were creating that vision and it was fascinating coming from established schools. My first school in the UK is now over 500 years old. My school now is just over five years old. And it's really, it's fascinating to see what does that vision mean when not only within the different context that you're in, the different country that you're in, the different individuals that you're working with, but the journey that the school is on. My current school is definitely one where the vision is there, the ethos is certainly there, but the actual nuts and bolts of some of those concepts are, are still being developed and we're still, yeah, we're still finding our way with them. And that is hugely, hugely exciting. It's a really, it's a really wonderful um, environment to work in, especially if you thrive on that sense of change and that sense of momentum. You can't say about this school that, well, it's always been done like this, so we're not going to change it. Or you can't say about that staff, oh, well, they've all, you know, they've been here for donkey's years and you're never going to change them because none of us have been here longer than six years. I'm one of the founding members of staff and we're coming up to the end of our sixth year. And that's, you know, and that's as far, that's as far as it goes. So from that sense, that idea of being interactive, not hyperactive is is something that for me is really significant and again something totally honest something I've definitely definitely got to work on and remind myself about I'm very good at saying yes to lots of things and then letting them build up and then checking myself and re realigning my priorities to move forwards what what's the uh, what's the favorite part of your job Joe what what bit do you really really enjoy on a day-to-day -day basis the thing that I'm missing most at the moment, a hundred percent, is the interaction with the kids, and it's it's not even the the really nitty gritty of the pedagogy, which I adore. I think it's that sense of community. One of the things we've been going back into school to close down the school, ready for um, ready for the long summer holiday, and seeing those empty corridors 
is just so strange. It's definitely that sense of that sense of community. And in big schools, in big international schools, um, or you know, big schools in general with thousands of people, you're never going to be all things to all people. You just you know you just can't in a school. It's um, you know with huge campuses with huge teachers one of my big fears at the start of any school year is that I go to introduce myself to a member of staff who actually has already been at the school for several years and I just haven't come across them because they're on the other side of the campus and and uh, you know where they're you know sort of where they're together but it's yeah definitely that sense of community and it's so funny because so often if I'm tearing down a corridor you know trying to get from one end of the school to the other and where you know from it's a relatively big campus so you know it can take you you know over five minutes to to cross the campus if you're at one end to the other and so often getting down those corridors is just something that you've got to do you've just got to you know you've got to move fast you've got to be at the at the next place and I thought gracious how interesting that that is one of the things that I've really missed being being there just part of the bustle of it all being part of that you know being part of that community and knowing that I've been given this opportunity to be able to move performing arts forwards when so many countries, so many schools do not have those opportunities, I am incredibly, incredibly grateful for that. You've, uh, you've, you've got a platform here, Joe. Send a message. What would you say to those schools that don't have performing arts as part of their curriculum? Why is it so important? Oh, performing arts is the way that you can find out about yourself. If you look around the world at the moment, we are struggling hugely on all kinds of different levels and there are all sorts of conversations that need to be had. And in performing arts, you can have a platform to explore those within a safe space. And I think that is hugely important. And one of the things that I love about it is that it is equally as important for little kids in pre-prep and the start of their school careers all the way through to, um, to teenagers. I think it's the most wonderful way of exploring who you are, having the opportunity to step into other people's shoes, seeing and trying to empathize or understand or even argue an opinion that might not be your own can only help to consolidate your own beliefs and to you know and to move and to move things forwards so uh yeah for me you know so simon talked beautifully about the importance of uh rugby and what it means when you know, you are out there and you have to take that risk and you've got to look after each other because there's the real potential that you could be that you could be hurt and if you don't look after each other and if you don't work together there can be consequences for me take that rugby pitch, turn it into the world, and that is performing arts. If we don't have the opportunity to have those conversations, to explore things, to find out who we are, then, yeah, this is the way forward, definitely. Thanks, Joe. We, we're going to move towards our, our quick-fire questions at the end. Um, I, I love the fact you worked in a school where it, one's got a massive history and one's creating a history. Now... In terms of the schools you've worked on, does does leaving a legacy matter to you? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the amazing things of being, and it was called the founding family when we first started, the founding family, the founding teachers. I am the founding head of drama. The the head is the founding headmaster, 
And I think there is something about that that is very special. And I think it's what attracts a lot of teachers to new schools, to startup schools, especially on the international circuit. Uh, there are challenges there, but you know that what you are establishing is is a first within that community with you know, for that um, for that school. However, I think it would be wrong to think that that should be your major focus because you know, we often say you're only as good as your last show, you're only as good as your last gig. It's once you go and you move on to you know to the next school, and we know that international schools are transient by nature. It will only be a very few years before the pupils who you've left behind are then through and then you know, so they're, you know, they're somebody else's. So I think legacy in the sense of doing your best, of setting, setting high standards, of wanting, of wanting the place that you leave to be in a better situation than you found it, yes, 100%. I think if it's your sole goal, then it's slightly misguided. Uh, one piece of advice, Joe, that you would give, uh, let's say, a young performing arts teacher that maybe wants to go into leadership? Um, I would suggest that they just give it a try to find different ways of showing that leadership to be able to model the experiences and going back to those transferable skills. Simon appointed me as head of drama because I'd been the teacher in charge of the prefects. The, my current school appointed me of director of performing arts because I'd done research that proved that I could work beyond the drama department in a whole school capacity. It wasn't the reason that I did that work. I, I did it anyway. But I think emphasizing those transferable skills and looking for those opportunities um, is a wonderful way to be able to progress in any area of your career. And, and the last one, Joe, a bit of fun to finish on is, which three leaders in history would you love to go out for a meal with? Uh, see, guys, this is getting harder and harder as the weeks go on. And, you know, so, like, Gandhi's been taken. Simon's saying Gandhi would make a good drinking partner. That was one of the highlights of, uh, of your opening of your opening. Um, I had to choose people who were really strong within um, the creative arts. So, Sir Ken Robinson is a huge advocate for creativity within schools and um, and his TED talk is absolutely remarkable. I think it's one of the most watched TED talks ever about why creativity in schools um, is important. Uh, Dorothy Hethcott was one of the founding uh, drama teachers and her philosophies and her pedagogy, um, she's long gone now, lover, but I think actually if we were having a meal, she'd probably be the one to cook it because apparently people would come to her house and would be, you know, served really kind of crusty loaves of bread and hearty soup and you know so that would be her and then um, Emma Rice is a fascinating writer and artistic director and she was in charge of she was the artistic director of the Globe Theatre for a very short amount of time only a few years and they obviously faced huge leadership issues during her time there and was then essentially asked to step away and they, you know, and they chose somebody else because she was trying to facilitate change that, that they weren't ready for. So thinking about that in terms of a leadership standpoint, I'd be fascinated to hear what her experience was and, uh, and how she got through it while still advocating for performing arts. Super.
Well, thank you, Jill, for coming on uh, coming on Infinite Leaders Live. It's been some magnificent messages that are coming across there, and I've certainly I've I've got two pages of notes that I've wrote myself that I, that I've took away from it. So that, that that's fantastic. So thank you very much again, and and we look forward to hearing about your work in the future. I'm also I'm also enjoying how Alan's just letting those three names at the end slip by as if he knows all three of them. I'll be on, <laughs> I'll be on Google straight away after this. I'll be quite honest with you. <laughs> well, straight on to see Ken Robinson, I think, about creativity. Uh, Joe, it's been a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you very much for, for being so honest and open. It's it, really refreshing to speak to you. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for the work you're doing. I think it's, uh, I think it's wonderful. Well done. Keep it up. Cheers. Bye.